Storm Team Weather Center. I'm Tostoza. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your big, bald, and beautiful host, Raymond Parts Third, better known as RP3, known in some parts as Ramundo from El Segundo, among other nicknames. Joined inside the lovely Dry Game Studios by the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names. We have a tremendous show lined up for you today on this hump day edition of RP3 and Company. First and foremost, though, make sure you be safe out there. More bad weather, rain. We experienced it all yesterday morning and yesterday afternoon, and then we had some last night, and we got some right now. So make sure you got your umbrella. Make sure you got your slickers, as my grandmother used to say, and just be careful when you're out and about today on your morning commute for work and school. We got four tremendous guests. Going to continue on with our high school previews as the high school football season kicks off next week. Jamborees this week, if the rain allows, obviously. But next week... The official start of high school football in the state of Louisiana. We talked to Chris Edwards yesterday from Northwest High School. We're going to go down a little further south. We're going to talk to Terry Martin, Lorville head football coach. He'll join us an hour from now at 7 o'clock. Tigers are coming off an undefeated regular season a season ago where they won 11 games. Then at 7.30... Ron Higgins, our buddy from Tiger Details, talking all things LSU. When are we going to find out who the starting quarterback is? I keep hearing rumblings. Could be any day now. Then we're going to talk more high school as the longtime head football coach of the Westgate Tigers will be joining us, Ryan Antoine, at straight up 8 o'clock. And then at 8.30 for the Big Easy Blitz, fresh from vacation, our good friend Andrew Juge from the Saints Happy Hour podcast. So, four tremendous guests lined up for you today. Of course, we'll recap the Astros' win last night. Verlander dominant. They're cruising along. The bullpen decided it wanted to make things interesting late. Again, giving up a couple of runs. Uh... They went from having the best bullpen in Major League Baseball to now every few games they keep coughing up a few runs. We'll recap the Strohs. We'll get you the latest from Raging Cajuns fall camp as well. But we're going to start off today with the foodie poll question of the week. It's our poll question of the day on Wednesdays. This was inspired by 
get together we had last night. All the high school broadcast teams, board ops, the people behind the scenes, well, all got together and had a meeting just going over things, getting ready for the season. Because as you know, Delta Media is your home for exciting high school football action. STM Cougars here on the game in Lafayette. Bar Bucks on the game in Lake Charles. Acadia and a high wrecking Rams now on MeTV FM, 97.7 FM. We got Karen Crow on Z1059. Southside on Mustang 1071. Of course, we also have the Vermilion Parish Game of the Week on 106.3 Radio Lafayette and the St. Landry Parish Game of the Week on News Talk 98.5 FM. So we're having our meeting, and I get us pizza to feed everyone. And those three large pizzas did not last. (laughs) There's some hungry folks last night. But I go pretty basic with my pizza. You know, I'm a pepperoni cheese guy. I like getting the three meats. My big Canadian bacon guy. Like that on my pizza. I am not a big time vegetable guy. But I did get one pizza with jalapenos. And that was a big hit. So that led me to our foodie poll question of the week. What's your go-to when it comes to the vegetables on the pizza? Now, if I had a preference, no vegetables. I got my tomato sauce. That's enough. I want meat and cheese. That's my go-to. Every time my wife asks me, what do you want on the pizza? Meat. Give me meat. Give me cheese. Thank you very much. I don't need a supreme pizza or anything like that. Now, it's not that I won't eat vegetables on a pizza. Living in central and north Louisiana, we had BJ's Okay, up there in the Sinlaw area. So, black olives on the pizza. I've had it. I'll eat it. I don't hate it. But I'm not going to specifically order it for the pizza. Peppers and onions. I like jalapenos on my pizza. I'll go with jalapenos. Bell peppers, though? Eh. They're too crunchy for me. Got no flavor. Tastes a little bitter. I ain't down for that. Do I need big strings of onions on my pizza? No, no. Some people like it, though. So, unless it's jalapenos, I ain't down. I definitely do not want mushrooms on my pizza. If there are mushrooms on my pizza, I will pick them off. Or I will simply look at that piece of pizza and I go, I'm good. Thank you, but no. But I want to hear from you. We want to hear from you with the foodie poll question of the day. And I want to bring in producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah, five names on this. Because she loves the vegetables. She's a big mushroom gal, as they say. She enjoys her some fungus on her food or in her food dishes. So your favorite vegetable pizza topping. Mushrooms, 100%. 100%. Yeah. For definite. Why do you like something that's slimy? Why do you like something that's fungus? Because I'm a fun girl, so it's a fun guy. Bang, bang. That's enough from you today. 
Say it again. So, <laughs> so, so, say that, that's a pretty. Good, it's 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 a simple joke, but it's a pretty good joke. Say that again. I said because I'm a fun girl and it's a fun guy. So I like mushrooms. They're yummy. Bravo. You even have playing cards, which you showed off the <laughs> other day. She has a deck of cards that are, instead of having, you know, the faces of kings, jacks, queens, everything, they're pictures of different mushrooms. Mm-hmm. With their English and Italian name. Or it might be Latin, actually, not Italian. Probably it's Latin. The woman loves her some mushrooms. Loves the mushrooms. I will, I've been known to pick apart, I've been so anti-mushroom that someone will have the mushrooms on the pizza. And it'll be underneath the layer of cheese. I'll get so frustrated, I'll just rip the whole thing off and just eat the dough and the marinara sauce. I I don't even want to bother I'm so frustrated. I don't even want to have to bother trying to pick the damn mushrooms off my pizza. That's so extra. That's completely extra. It is extra. It is extra. So my wife <laughs> and I compromise. We'll always get, if we order a pizza. So I was going to bring home whatever leftover pizza we had last night. And within 10 minutes, I had to text my wife and I go, There's go- there will be no leftover pizza. <laughs> I mean, I think about who was going to be at the meeting. To realize that those three pieces were not going to last whatsoever. There's three large pizzas. I thought, oh, we should be good. Because I didn't expect everyone to show up either. (laughs) I just didn't. That's your first problem. I didn't. And then everyone was like, yeah, we're here. And I was like, all right, great. So so when we placed the order last night, she placed it with, we compromise, got Canadian bacon, cheese, and jalapenos. And I'll eat that all day long. I like jalapenos. I eat jalapenos on my nachos and whole nine yards. So that's what we'll do for that. But I even get anti-mushroom when it comes to my spaghetti. Like, you know, people that put the big chunks of mushrooms in there, like, what are you doing? No, I specifically get, like, the, wow. That's cool. Love it. Done. (laughs) That's the the studio (laughs) siding with me about mushrooms. That the microphone stops working in the producer studio. <laughs> but we want to hear from you. What's your favorite vegetable pizza topping? Is it peppers? It could be bell. You know, it could be red or green peppers. It could be jalapeno peppers. Just peppers. Is it peppers? Is it black olives? Is it mushrooms? Or is it onions? That's our foodie poll question of the week, which is, of course, is our poll question of the day every single Wednesday. Right now, 50% of you say peppers, 21% say black olives, 21% say mushrooms, and 8% of you say onions. Ton has chimed in. If I have to have veggies, shout out to you, Ton, onions and or mushrooms, which are technically fungi, not veggies. Generally, I'm all about a meat lovers. Now I got to find a pizza place for lunch. Damn it. <laughs> we tend to do this to poor Ton on Wednesdays. <laughs> He's just trying to focus in on his morning, getting ready for work, and then we have to make him make lunch plans early on. JPK, the OD, it's the sauce, baby. Two basic laws hot dogs 
equals chili, cheese, mustard, onions, optional on holidays and Catholic holy days. Pizza equals pepperoni, cheese, and sauce. Nothing else needed. The only vegetable is the tomato. Ton has chimed in with the technicality that tomatoes are, in fact, considered a fruit. John Paul, Cajun Daddy, says, I must say any good pizza is not complete without all of those veggies, so I just picked my favorite of those. Black olives are awesome, plus the wife doesn't like them, so I get to have hers as well. Oh, that's such a boss move by John Paul. My man puts in the pizza order, and he's like, check it. Go ahead and put some black olives on that. (laughs) Then the wife's like, oh, I don't like that. It has black olives on it. And John Paul's like, oh, I forgot, babe. Boom. More pizza for John Paul. That's a boss move. Might have to use that. Oh, oh, our buddy, our buddy. H-Town Wheelhouse, better known as Brett Shanzi, has chimed in. He says, as long as it's served with beer and a wiener straw, Yankees fan. (laughs) Yankees won again last night, by the way. Beat the Mets yet again. New York loses three or four to Atlanta and now is losing to the Yankees. Eh, Maybe the Mets aren't as good as we thought. Keep voting on our food poll question of the day. It's our foodie question of the week. What is your favorite vegetable pizza topping? Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll keep updating it throughout today's edition of RP3 and Company. But when we return here on the show, Houston Astros, they start off the series against the Minnesota Twins, welcoming back Carlos Correa to town by handing them a loss. We'll talk about it next right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You know the routine. Eat, drink, sleep, and sports. All day, every day. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. You love to entertain on the weekends, don't you? Especially during football season. Get the fellas around. Get your family around. You cook out. You're barbecuing. You're the master. Got everyone over watching the game on the big screen television. But why not do that in style? Why not take your outdoor living space, your man cave area, and make it the envy of the neighborhood? Make it the place you have family members coming out of the woodwork to come hang out with you. My friends over at Laugh-In Marvel and Granite can make that happen. You know that they take care of business when it comes to those show-stopping countertops for your kitchens and your bathrooms because they can do the same thing, though, for your man caves and your outdoor living spaces. Go check out their website, lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com. All their inventory is updated every Wednesday. You can get to see all the great products they have to offer and so much more. Once again, the website's lmgelite.com. They're going to help transform your man cave or your outdoor living space into the envy of your neighborhood during game days this fall. You could also just swing by their showroom. It's located right there on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford in the Jockey Lot. Once again, 
Lafayette, Marble, and Granite. They're looking to earn your business. And trust me, earn it, they will. Go check them out today. Astros are a winner. Opening up a series against the Minnesota Twins, welcoming back Carlos Correa, their former all-star shortstop, who left this offseason to sign a contract with the Minnesota Twins. Now, the Twinkies are in a dogfight with the Cleveland Guardians and the Chicago White Sox to see who's going to win the American League Central and try to get into the wild card. But right now it stands in the wild card standings that those teams in the Central are on the outside looking in. American League East teams and the Seattle Mariners out of the West are battling it out for those three wild card spots. The Twins are a pretty good team, but they were no match yesterday when they came into Minute Maid Ballpark to take on the Houston Astros. Verlander was on the bump. It's not always automatic when he pitches, but he gets pretty close, especially the type of year that he's having. Verlander threw six no-hit innings, picked up his 16th win of the season in a 4-2 victory over the Twins last night. Verlander improves to 16-3 on the season, ERA 1.87. That is what we call, well, that's pretty good. Didn't need a ton of runs in this with Verlander going six, no-hit innings. 10 strikeouts. They pulled him after the sixth inning. Stanek came in, pitched an inning, struck out two. Will Smith came in, gave up a couple of hits in one third of an inning. Neris came in after him, gave up three hits and two runs late to make it closer than it appeared. But Abreu was able to come in in the final third and pick up the save. As the the Astros, not Asteroids, that's a great game back in the day, by the way, they hold on. I keep bringing this up about the bullpen. There is such a thing as called the dog days of summer. It exists in baseball. It's a long season especially with the way the season had to be condensed down, less days off. So that's part of it. But the last month, the bullpen for the Strohs, yeah, gives you a little pause, just a little pause. Because you have Verlander throw six no-hit innings, and yet your bullpen still coughs up two runs late. Eh, just... You're seeing this every few days from the Astros' bullpen, and it's not the same guy. It's not as if one guy's going out there and having a meltdown like, say, you know, Chapman or Mark Wohler's back in the day for the Braves. That's not what's happening. It's somebody different every time. And the bullpen comes in, and they get hit. It's just something to pay attention to for the Strohs, who – have 79 wins now. They're one of the best teams in baseball, one of the top three teams overall in the American League or National League. But in the postseason, you can't afford to have your bullpen cough up runs. 
If they're supposed to be in the game to shut it down, then they have to shut it down. That'd be my only concern about this team. Bregman has finally turned it around, playing back to what Alex Bregman is supposed to be playing, that caliber of player. But the bullpen makes me, eh, not panicked. I wouldn't be panicked if I was an Astros fan, but the bullpen has been eh, not great. Not great. Strohs jump out early. Plating a run there in the second and then adding another one in the fourth with Mancini's double to deep center that call, uh, scored Kyle Tucker. Then Bregman hits a monster home run, two-run shot there in the seventh, and it's 4 nothing. But then the Astros' bullpen gives up two runs off a little, some, you know, a few singles there in the ninth inning. But they do enough to get the win. That's all that matters. Houston continues to maintain its lead 11 and a half games over the Seattle Mariners in the American League West standings. Minnesota is now three games back of Cleveland in the American League Central. Once again, Verlander was magnificent. As, well, as expected. Let's be honest. And you look at the standings. And with the Yankees winning as well, they've won now two games in a row, both over the Mets. They're maintaining their pace right behind the Strohs. But right now in the American League, Houston, 79 wins. They lead the way for home field advantage in the AL Yankees right there with 76 wins. And then the Guardians are leading the AL Central. The Mets lead in the National League East is down to two games, by the way, because the Braves won again yesterday over the Pirates. Already have taken that series. Mets have dropped two in their Subway series. They're 79 and 46. The Bravos are 77 and 48. Braves are 8 and 2 in their last 10. Mets are four and six in their last ten. St. Louis looks like they're leading their... I just don't see where Milwaukee catches St. Louis. I think the Cardinals are too good. And Goldschmidt looks like the MVP for the National League. And they're playing really good, sound, fundamental baseball. Nine and one in their last ten. Milwaukee, meanwhile, is four and six in their last ten. They're struggling a little bit. Look at the updated standings. Your wild card races. American League, Tampa Bay still on top, but only by a half game. Tampa Bay 67 and 55. Toronto 66 and 55. And Seattle 67 and 56. Those are your three that are going to battle it out for the three wild card spots. Right behind them, lurking, are the Baltimore Orioles. Two and a half games out. I think it's those four teams battling for those three spots. Twins, White Sox, they're going to fall short of making the wild card unless one of those other teams like the Blue Jays or Seattle just crumbles down the stretch. In the National League, Braves, 
They hold a comfortable nine-game lead over the second-place team in the wild card standings. Atlanta's actually trying to catch the Mets for the NL East title. But then the Phillies, who have been playing great baseball of late, or better baseball of late, Padres, and then you got the Brewers. Those are your four teams battling for those wild card spots. So August 24th, still got plenty of great baseball ahead of us throughout the month of September as well. But you're starting to see some distance here. You're starting to see tears as we come down the home stretch of the MLB season. Astros Twins live for Minute Maid Ballpark. You can listen to that game tonight. First pitch, 7-10. Astro launch will begin at 6-40. Live right here on the game. We got to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll talk a little Raging Cajuns football. That'll be coming up next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 came to the station this morning to do only two things. Kick some ass and drink some beer. Looks like we're almost out of beer. Well, it's kind of early for the latter, isn't it? Maybe. Probably. Maybe just a root beer or some flavored water. Back to more kick-ass sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Well, college football is back. It's time to enjoy the tradition, the fun, and the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. Look, to celebrate the, f- the best time of the year, new customers can bet just $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. You can also place the same gay parlay for a shot at even bigger payout. Just combine multiple bets into one, like which team will get the win or which team's going to score first and more. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code 1037GAME. Bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code 1037GAME, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years of age and older to play. Physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. One per customer. Got to get that minimum $5 deposit and wager. And the $200 are issued as eight $25 free bets. Restrictions apply. See terms at DraftKings.com slash sportsbook. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem. Call 1-877-770-STOP. Speaking college football, it's time for us to talk a little LSU and a little UL. We'll start off with the Bayou Bengals. Raging Cajuns announced who their starting quarterback is. LSU is yet to do so. We're still waiting to find out who that who that's going to be. And Brian Kelly talked to the media yesterday, giving us an update from fall camp as the Tigers prepare to wrap up camp and gear up for the season opener against Florida State inside the Caesar Superdome. Yeah. No, I think we're pretty much we're 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 closing in on on making a decision. You know, the the two of them are outstanding quarterbacks. You guys probably, if you were voting as a group in here, it, it might be you know a, a split in, in this room. It's it's pretty close. 
So I, I think you could probably understand why, for us, you know, we're not jumping out there giving you a quarterback because it is, they're they're both fine quarterbacks and it's and it's that close. But we're gonna have to we're gonna have to make a decision here in the next few days. <sighs> they're the reason why this is so. They haven't made a decision is because in spite of Jaden Daniels' experience, and he has a ton of starting experience playing in the Pac-12, if it's August 24th and you still haven't made a decision on who your starting quarterback is with a guy who's essentially a senior, a grad transfer, with a ton of experience, and a guy who is still technically could be considered a freshman because of the redshirt rule. That tells me that Jane Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer, there's not that much difference between the two. Do I still think they're probably going to go with Jane Daniels? Yes. But this tells me, and once again, we've been told by people who cover this team that the coaching staff was surprised, pleasantly surprised, of the rapid development of Garrett Nussmeyer starting in the spring through summer. So what this tells me is that Nussmeyer has made it hard for Brian Kelly and his staff to make the decision. Because he's put in the work, because he's balling out during practice. Now, he's been slowed because of the ankle injury, the sprain, right? I still think they'll go with Jaden. But this tells me that the veteran guy with all the experience is not that much better than the guy that you have as a redshirt freshman already on your roster. I don't think there's going to be a huge dip. If something happens to Daniels and they go to Nussmeyer, I don't think it's going to be that much of a difference. I really don't. Wide receiving room, meanwhile, is immensely deep and talented. You know about Kayshawn Butte, former Westgate high star. He's healthy. He's in the mix. You know about Jack Besh and Malik Neighbors. You know about Jenkins and so much more. They are loaded in that position group on the team. Maybe the deepest they are anywhere on the team, except for maybe defensive line. And Kelly talked about his wide receivers. Well, you're going to see them all play. We want to play fast. We want to play with some tempo. You know, we're going to push the ball down the field. So those guys are going to have to, you know, stay fresh. We want to be able to attack defenses with, you know, six, seven, you know, deep at that position is is going to serve us well. So, you know, I think they all serve a, an important role. Karen Lacey's going to be involved in that as well. He's, he's had a couple of, uh, you know, really good scrimmages for us. You know, Dre Dinkins has been really solid for us and, and, and consistent. So I think all those guys are going to play a, a significant role. And, and I think it's, you know, to have that kind of depth, we're, we're going to use it as a strength of ours by really, you know, keeping those guys fresh and, and rotating them into the game. You know, Butte, you know, Jenkins, Kyron Lacey's going to play. You heard him say right there, a ton of these guys are going to play. Butte's the number one. And then it's going to be all the other guys. It'll probably be Butte and, let's say, Jenkins. And then everyone else will get a shot to get into the game and put up numbers and play. This is a very deep wide receiving core. 
And part of that core is Malik Neighbors. Now, he came on the scene last year as a true freshman, had some moments, showed that he belonged. Remember, Malik didn't play a senior year of high school. He was at Como, was a Mississippi State commit, tried to transfer to Southside High to play a senior year with some friends. The state didn't allow it, so he didn't play at all. But he made the adjustment to playing in the SEC last year. And, and Kelly talked about the potential of neighbors. For me, from the spring to the summer workouts and to now, he's, he's obviously stronger physically, and his maturity is the thing that stands out. And, and when I say maturity, I mean he's the same guy every day. Um, he comes to practice prepared. He practices hard. Um, he comes with a, a, the right attitude. He thinks the right way, and, and that's maturity, right? And I thought at times in the spring he was a bit up and down. He'd have a good day and maybe not so much you'd see him. Um, but his consistency and his approach and the way he thinks and the way he's attacked practices, he's going to be, uh, I, I think, um, a guy that we're all going to enjoy watching play. He has the potential. Of all those guys in the group, you know what you're going to get out of Butte. Jack Besh, he's going to produce. But I feel like Malik has that potential. And just not because he's from the 337, which we take great pride in. I mean, Butte, Besh, Neighbors, Sage Ryan on defense, Walker Howard, backup court. I mean, there's a lot of Acadiana love over in Baton Rouge right now. But Neighbors has that potential, the big play potential. He could have a breakout season this year in that wide receiving room. DB was going to be a question mark, right? Because they lost so much. You had Ward coming back on the back end of the defense, but everyone else was essentially gone, right? And they end up getting a transfer from McNeese, Louisiana native. Good, very good player at McNeese. I saw him last year during the spring season and the fall season. Colby Richardson can play. And he transfers to LSU because they need roster depth, right? And that's why they're bringing in transfers from UL and McNeese and other places. But Colby has really been turning heads and has been making a huge impact in camp. And Kelly talked about the McNeese transfer. Well, there's a couple of things. One, Colby Richardson. He uh, physically he came in and put on about 20 pounds, and and I think that that really has allowed him to compete at a high level. You know, he was you know somewhere in the 170 range, 168, 172, and he's he's over 190 pounds. So I think you know coming in and and really taking advantage of the nutrition and the weight training and conditioning put him, you know, he's obviously a very gifted athlete but then putting on that strength and and uh taking you know our nutrition program to a a new level for him one that he you know probably never had before and he's got elite speed he's a veteran player and all those things have come together uh he's extremely committed uh the players really enjoy him he's a really good teammate and it's it's good to see him have some great success You, you heard it right there look Colby did very well with McNeese, but then he gets to go to LSU and have everything that LSU offers. 
the weight program, the conditioning program, the nutrition program, all the stuff that they have at that football facility, the state-of-the-art football facility that most schools, even most schools in the SEC don't have. He's a veteran guy. He knows what's expected of him. And Colby Richardson's going to be playing a big role in what LSU does on the back end of their defense. Let's come back to this side of the basin. We heard a lot from Coach Dez from his press conference on Monday about his decision to go with Chandler Fields and why he chose Chandler and what Chandler brings to the table as a leader and as just a talented quarterback. But he also had to make a tough decision. He had to make a tough decision about Ben Woolridge, former transfer who was fighting. He'd been with the program last year. He was competing. It was a two-horse race, so to speak, to be the starting quarterback for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. And Coach Dez, a former starting quarterback for the Cajuns, who was in quarterback competitions himself, understands this. And he made sure it was a point that you're going to see probably both guys play during this season. I mean, you would never hand anyone anything. We have two, from the beginning, felt like we had two really good options there. And, you know, Chandler's been in a competition since the day he got here. And he's battled through it. And, you know, everyone has to go through ups and downs and personal, you know, highs and lows and things like that. And he's done a really good job. And he's came out of the other side of it. You know, I told this to our team and I told this to those two guys that Ben Woolridge will play for us this year. He deserves that opportunity. It's not a two-quarterback system. It is not a controversy. It's not in question anymore. It's simply put, he deserves to play, and so he'll get a couple series, especially early in the year, and get an opportunity to go out there and go play for the way that he's prepared. But it's very similar to what we did with Levi in 2018. He's going to have a couple of series. He's going to play a little bit, and that's going to be that. I think the kid deserves it. In fact, I know he does. Um, Everyone on on the team respects him, Chandler included. And I think that's a very fair thing to do, and especially it's a good way to get him some game experience and some game reps, you know, in case if the worst happens and and you got to go from there. So that's the plan that we're going to have. Dez was on staff in 2018, right? That was HUD year. And that year they ran out three quarterbacks. Levi got starts that year. He got playing time, but he also got starts that year and proved valuable to him in his development. You're going to see him come in for series. He's going to get playing time. They're they're going to let him throw the football as well. It's just not going to be handing the ball off. They're going to let, look, they let Chandler throw the ball when he came in sporadically as well. So, the fact that he still wants them to be fresh just in case because you never do know because the year that Levi got those starts, they weren't planning on. Levi was supposed to be redshirted that year, by the way. And they had to make the decision late in the season to pull the red shirt and play him because they didn't have a choice. But Dez also had to have a tough conversation with the young man and let him know, hey, I'm going with Chandler Fields as our starting quarterback, and this is what he told the media. He told the young man. Uh, I mean, it wasn't easy, so I don't know if it was either way. Uh, It's a lot easier when it's someone that you feel like really isn't ready. Like if if it was to go in there and say, look, you are not ready to be the guy right now. But I think on most teams out there, I think he'd be the starting quarterback. I truly believe that. Um, So you're picking the guy that gives your team the best chance right now to win. And that's what I did. And, um, you know, we as a staff and myself, I feel like 
there's no doubt in my mind after going through this thing that it is Chandler. If I didn't feel that way, you know, maybe we'd have pushed it back a little bit longer. Maybe we'd do some things differently, but it's going to be him. It needs to be him. And, you know, as hard of a conversation as it is to have, it has to be done, you know. And when you have good kids that work really hard, it's always difficult. It doesn't matter, you know. Even when you kind of feel like they're not quite ready, sometimes they feel like they are, and it's still difficult to have. But, you know, it's really hard when you have a guy that does things the right way. He's coming here and competed. And like I said, he's been a great teammate since he got here. He's continuing to do that. And, you know, I mean, I knew how much it meant to him. That's what makes it really hard. Tough conversation, but one that needed to be had. And, look, Des has to trust his gut. And he thinks Chandler gives him a better chance to win because Chandler can make better throws down the field. Got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll wrap up our number one, give you an update on the foodie poll question of the week. That's next right here on the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Foodie poll question of the week is our poll question of the day every Wednesday. Let's check in on that. We asked you, what's your favorite vegetable pizza topping? Is it peppers? Could be bell pepper, red or green, jalapenos. Is it black olives? Is it mushrooms? Or is it onions? What's your favorite vegetable topping for your pizza? Right now, 48% of you say you love the fungi, mushrooms. 32% say peppers. 13% say black olives. And 7% of you say onions. Brad on Twitter says, if we're talking simple pizza, then it's jalapenos on a beef and extra cheese pizza. If a supreme pizza, then mushrooms. Salty Steve says, first of all, it's all about the quality of the ingredients. If you eat Domino's or pizza. Oh, come on. Nothing like pizza from an Italian restaurant. Portobello, four cheese, and a light sweet sauce. Hashtag five names. I don't understand. What does sunglasses emoji mean? That means that means cool? Means five names you're cool? I'm not for sure. I think I think Steve is saying that you're cool. <laughs> we'll get we'll get our team to look into that. <laughs> Darren simply shares a gif from different strokes. What you talking about? Ralph says, I usually go with the special mushrooms on the AA Ron Rogers special. Only problem is the delivery time from Peru. Oh, nice. Keep those comments coming. Keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. What's your favorite vegetable topping for your pizza? Hour number one in the books. Hour number two, we're going to kick it off with talking with Lorville head football coach Terry Martin. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. From the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Oh, our number two has arrived on this hump day edition of RP3 and Company. Woo! We got some good guests coming up 
here on the final two hours of this morning's show. An hour from right now, we'll be talking with Westgate High School football coach Ryan Antoine. He'll be joining us, giving us a preview of what the Westgate Tigers are going to be bringing to the table for the 2022 season, which, by the way, kicks off next week. That's right, Jamborees this week. Next week, the actual start of the football season. It has crept up on us really, really quick. But you know what? You don't have to wait an hour to hear about a perennial powerhouse local high school football team because we're about to have a coach on that guides one of those programs as we speak. Last year, 11-1 overall, undefeated regular season, reached the second round of the postseason. He's now won more than 100 games in his illustrious career. It's our privilege to welcome back to RP3 and Company our good friend, the man in charge of the Lowerville Tigers, Terry Martin, joins us. Coach, good morning to you, brother. How are you? Pretty good, man. Thank you very much for having me on this morning. Hey, bud, before we kind of dive into this upcoming season, I just want to ask you, because I haven't had the opportunity to do so, you eclipsed the career 100-win mark last season. I know you're always focused on the ultimate goal of winning a championship, but what did that mean to you to to get to the point in your career where you won more than 100 games? Uh, to be honest, man, going in, you know, every year we have to fill out that media questionnaire, you know, and, and every year I have to go back and uh, while, when we do our previous year's record and you know, they'll ask you how many years as a head coach and, you know, what's your overall record. So every year I have to go back because, to be honest with you, I have no idea. <laughs> when I start the season, you know, what, what the win loss was as far as, as, you know, my personal wins and losses. And I think most coaches hate to even think about that because we realize there's so many people involved, you know, in any one of those, those wins, uh, not kind of, you know, obviously the players, but so many other support personnel, so many other coaches that, that play a part in that. So I really, I'm very uncomfortable to be honest, even talking about it. And uh, going into this year, of course, when I, when I had to turn that questionnaire in, and knowing the kids we had coming back on our team, of course, obviously, I realized, you know, maybe there's a chance. But once we started, I honestly had no idea when it would happen. And, and when it did happen, uh, you know, my wife had made, made some kind of comment about it. And I said, I don't want anything to be said at all about this. No, you know, I don't bring it up. Because to be totally honest with you, I'm kind of embarrassed that it took as long as it did. <laughs> you know, I, I was a part of some teams where, you know, we had some really, really great kids but went through some hardships, went through a bunch of injuries, you know, just like a lot of coaches do, and, and where the, the, that one loss worker kind of got slipped over the wrong way. And, uh, you know, so I know, you know some coaches who make it much sooner than that. And uh, so I really didn't want to think about it. And the, the, the way that I found out that it had happened, we were actually having just a regular old pep rally like we do for all our home games. Uh, I want to say we were still under some kind of moderate COVID protocols, but we had a bunch of kids, everything, you know, spread out in the stands, they were doing all the regular things that they normally do. And all of a sudden, I see my wife walking out on the field. And I'm, you know, I'm thinking, what in the hell is she doing here? And, uh, and then my two kids, uh, my twins, who went to school with her at the time, they're not with me at the junior high over here, they walk in with her, and then my son walks up. And, they, and that's when it kind of dawned on me. They, like they, had, you know, they came and made an announcement. Really embarrassed the hell out of me. and Because uh, I, I told her I, I wanted no part of that. I didn't want it, you know, anything well, coach. to be- Coach, I'm, uh, coach, I'm gonna stop you right there. That that was your mistake. You realize that, man. You've been married long enough to know. You told your <laughs> wife not to do something, and of uh, course, she turned around well, and you, did it. 
And if you knew mine, well, you 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 don't know how right you are. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, again, that's how it, how it kind of went. But you know, as quickly as it, it it came and went, and then you know, we were able to focus on you know on getting ready for for what the next game was. So, you know, again, I, I guess you know, looking back on it one day, you'll be glad that you did it. But when you look at some of the coaches, especially in the Acadiana area, that that have much more than that. You know, I, I'm I'm constantly blown away by by what you know, like what Jim Hightower has done. You know, just he's such a, a a modest, quiet guy. You look at Coach Cook, you know, who's done the same type of things, and uh, they're both so genuine, good people that would never you'd never hear them say anything. But when you stop and look at what they've done, it's it's really mind-boggling. The games that those two guys have won, the programs they've been part of. So, again, you know, it, it, it's it's a, a good thing to do, but at the same time, it's still pretty humbling because they have some guys who are so good in this area. You well, know, coach. They have multiple, uh, multiple coaches who are in the Hall of Fame who all have over 200 wins. And I think I can think of three or four right off the top of my head uh, just around the same Martin Parish area. Well, Coach, I understand it, that, I, and I respect ahead. that, but you can't, you can't sell yourself short here because – the way the program was when you took over, and it was a rough go of it early on there when you took over at Lorville. Right. And right. to have that program win one game to last year going undefeated during the regular season, that's a heck of a job by you and your staff. Well, just a bunch of good players too, man. And, uh, and you know, a, a bunch of just hardworking kids who, who bought in, uh, you know, again, to trying to figure out the, the little things that you have to do just to be good people. You know, I've always said this. I said it a couple of weeks ago, and I've always said it since the day one that I became a head coach. That, that you know, the wins and the losses—that's never ever been our primary concern. Of course, we want to win as many games as possible, but at the end of the day, you know, I've always tried to focus on those little things to try to make them better people. And and you know, hopefully, one day, you know, five years, ten years, sometimes even longer down the road, you'll meet up with some of those kids and you see that you know just what type of great husband great father you know great they're a very productive member in our society that's that's what the majority of our kids become it's, it's not you know you you rarely have a lot of kids who sign scholarships you know i would say you know one to two percent of the kids who play for you are going to sign and go on uh you know like uh, last week i saw that that raymond collie had i want to you know had 39 41 yards something like that you know so that's the guy that i coached for four years you know who's still with the los angeles rams and he had an unfortunate injury last year but still got a Super Bowl ring you know that's a, and then I do about 20 years back Dominic Davis I actually I talked them back and forth through a text uh, last week you know he was the rookie of the year with the Houston Texans and I and that little sucker rode me to school every day for three and a half years you know just just when, when I was coaching him I pick him up on my way to, uh, to school to do some drill work and so you know those things are very very rare that, that you see that you have that kind of success the majority of the guys that you coach are going to be just those guys in your community that you know you hope turn out to be hardworking, productive young men, and that that's how I've always addressed it. And if you do that, I believe you know when you have some physical talent, then the good things are going to happen. We're talking with Lorville head football coach Terry Martin. He joins us here on RP3 and Company as we ramp up towards the high school football season. You know, so many players, so few players get that opportunity to play at the next level, coach. But you had a couple those twins. Caleb and Colin, Jacob, they've graduated. They're now at the University of Louisiana playing for the Raging Cajuns. Uh, they were two sensational playmakers for you. Uh, how do you replace their uh, production and their leadership? Ooh, talk about tough, man. Uh, and, again, we're seeing that already. And, and I've been asked that, of course, over and over again. And every year, 
you know, this is coming on actually in December, year 30 for me. And, and every year when that season ends, you kind of look around at those seniors leaving and you say, how in the world are we going to replace so-and-so? How, you know, what are we going to do now? And, and it, it happens over and over again. You know, you're going to have really good kids that leave every year. But the funny thing is, is that pretty much every time, you know, again, they may not be as flashy or as dynamic or as explosive as, you know, what those two were. But still, you always have guys that kind of step up and then you figure out maybe you have to do something a little bit different. You know, maybe uh, I talked about that too last week to someone else where your basic offensive and defensive philosophies probably never change. But, but one of the great things about high school football is that each year you have to tweak it a little bit if you want to have some, you know, a chance to have some success based on who you have coming back. You know, so we may still you know, run same of the, the same run schemes. We may you know some of the same pass schemes. But you have to look at who you have and adjust your offense and defense to that. And so that's, that's what we're in the process of figuring out right now. You know, we, during, during this past 7-on-7 seven seven season in the summer, boy, we took some licks early on because not only we lost Caleb and Collins, but we lost the other two corners and we lost the two outside linebackers, all graduated. And so, you know, not only we we obviously missing some talent, but just knowledge and experience and, and game time experience. And, and, you know, at the beginning of summer, it was pretty scary. You know, we, we were – you know, not very good, and they didn't know, they didn't have a clue what they were doing. So we, I thought we gradually got a little bit better in the summer, still were, you know, not nearly where we needed to be. But last week, I think we did, we showed a big improvement. You know, we did like a little inner squad, and again, we we're making a lot of mistakes. But last week in our, our fall scrimmage, I thought we got a little bit better back there and, uh, you know, starting to figure things out a little bit. And I actually found a couple of kids who were a little more physical than I thought they'd be. So uh, it's still very much a work in progress. Again, I don't know if you can replace those two cats, uh, you know, who, who now they're doing well. I have a chance uh, to, you know, normally during our football season, I rarely, you know, we work seven days a week. And so most Saturday nights I'm in my recliner, you know, with my laptop and finishing that my Saturday breakdown and I'll, you know, I'll turn LSU on or something like that. And then uh, when I had Raymond Colley at UL, a lot of times I try to find it, you know, on my laptop, and I flipped back and forth while I was working. But this year, we, you know, God willing, and everything continues to progress like it's been going for Caleb and Colin. They'll dress that first week, week one, and they're going to face Southeastern, where we have Zy Alexander, you know, who's a four-year, five-year starter over here, actually, who was named to five different All-American teams last year as a freshman at Southeastern. And so that week one, we, you know, we as coaches, we really go try to scramble and get as much of our work done as we can. So hopefully we can sneak off and go to the game. But we have three of our players, you know, on opposing teams on the field at the same time. So I'm hoping everything works out. You know, the, like I said, I rarely ever will, will go to a college game ever. But I'm really going to try to make that one because hopefully we'll have three guys on the field. You know, and, and that, I think that's going to be something that's pretty, pretty special. You know, you have to replace so much on your defense and your secondary and on offense. You do have some guys coming back, some veteran uh, veteran guys that have experience at wide receiver, at running back, uh, across your defensive line coach. So expectations, though, I would assume, haven't lessened. Just because you lost players doesn't mean it's going to be okay for you guys to be below 500 this season, right? Oh, again, it's hard to project, man. So many different things can happen, and, and – like I said earlier, I've been doing this 30 years now, and I, when somebody asks me, I tell them the honest truth is I have no idea how, how this is going to turn out. You know, you never know what a lot of these kids, with, with being an experience, how they're going to react when you get on the field on Friday night. But like you said, we do have uh, a good bit of experience coming back on our offense and defensive lines. 
Uh, we have some guys that, you know, we, we think, you know, they're gonna, they know what to do. They know how to, how to adjust. So we should be okay there. We, have, uh, we do have one receiver coming back who, who has some experience. But then we have a guy in the backfield who, uh, who I'm, I'm pretty high on right now. Uh, his brother, Ethan Simon, graduated last year, and he's playing at a small – he actually just went not, not long ago at a small school in Wisconsin. But Evan, his younger brother, really came on pretty big for us last year. The second half of the year especially, I want to say, if I'm remembering correctly, when we came down to that, that district showdown with Ascension Episcopal, uh, at the time we were both undefeated in district, and we put in a couple of things uh, for Evan – and yeah, I think he had four touchdowns that night. Uh, so he's back for his senior year. He's a little taller. He's a little thicker. He's a little stronger, and he's a little faster. So I'm 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 hoping he can stay healthy. I really think he can have a big year for us. We have a couple of other guys around that I think can you know kind of add to what to what he does. But uh, when you talk about as far as being explosive, I would say he's the one guy that that has a, sh- a shot to be really good. Coach. Always appreciate your time, brother. You're always so gracious with it. Best of luck uh, this week with the Jamboree, and best of luck next week with the start of the season. You guys open up at home against Erath. It should be a heck of a season, and we'll talk to you soon, oh, brother. Yeah. Sounds good, man. Uh, and, I, and I will go back to it. seems like it's the annual dodge, the lightning, and the thunderstorms part of the year being <laughs> in South Louisiana. So, you know, I'm standing out here talking to you, and it's starting to rain again. So, uh, you know, we're all in the same boat, man. Like you mentioned earlier about the Jamboree, Delcom is actually the host this year. But uh, they finally made the decision today they're going to officially move it to Nish, uh, to New Iberia on Thursday, just because they've gotten so much rain in their area. And, you know, obviously Nish has a turf field. So at least we've, you know, fortunate that we have that and we won't have to slap around in the mud. So getting ready, man, just happy to go. I'm glad it's back, and I'm glad it's back to normal, and, and we're ready to get started. Appreciate your time, brother. Best of luck this season. Thank you very much. Talk to you soon. That's Lowerville High football coach Terry Martin. His team went undefeated during the regular season. Man, they were just a few points away from making it to the state quarterfinals. They'll open up the season once again at home against Erath, and that'll be a week from Friday. Speaking of high school football, Delta Media is your home for thrilling high school football this season. Our lineup includes St. Thomas Moore playing on the game right here, 1037 Lafayette. Acadiana High, the Wrecking Rams. That's right. They're going to be on MeTV FM 97.7. Karen Crow High on Z1059. The Golden Bears are going to be up in 5A this year, by the way. Southside High School back on Mustang 107.1. The Vermilion Parish Game of the Week is on 106.3 Radio Lafayette. The St. Landry Parish Game of the Week is going to be on News Talk 98.5 and the Barb Buccaneers. That's right. Lots of buzz about Barb this season. They're going to be on the game 104.1 Lake Charles. Make sure to download each one of those stations' free mobile apps for your Android or your Apple device. That way you can listen to your favorite team's at home or on the road. Delta Media is your home for Friday night football. We have to take a timeout. We'll update the foodie poll question of the week. That'll be coming up next right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
Oh, are you sick and tired of that constant pain in your knees or your hips or your back, especially this time of year? Look, you need to be moving pain-free, am I right? It's Raymond Parts the third for the team at QC Kinetics. Look, QC Kinetics is helping people here every day, giving them lasting pain relief using the latest advances in regenerative medicine. The science is simple. They concentrate your own body's healing agents and apply them to your aching joints, restoring and repairing damaged tissue. No drugs, no steroids, and no surgery. Listen, the old remedies for pain are not the only remedies. You need to learn more about how regenerative medicine at QC Kinetics can change your life. Make this the last summer you suffer from chronic pain. They've got clinics here and all over America. This is the exciting new natural way to deal with joint pain with no side effects and no downtime. Call QC Kinetics now for a free consultation. That's 337-243-4222. That's 337-243-4222 for QC Kinetics. Great interview there. Great conversation with Lorville head football coach Terry Martin. The Twins are gone, but Terry's a, man, he's a really good coach. And I expect them to be good yet again this season. They may not have an undefeated regular season, but I expect Lorville to still be a very good playoff team and a playoff team. We'll have more high school football talk coming up at 8 o'clock when Ryan Antoine from Westgate High School will join us. Get a little preview of that Tiger team. That'll be coming up at 8 o'clock. And we're about five minutes or so from having the mad dog, Ron Higgins, joining us on here for Hold That Tiger. That's right. Going to talk all things LSU. When can we just figure out, when are we going to know who the starting quarterback is going to be for the LSU Tigers? We'll get to that. But right now, it's time to check in on the poll question of the day. It's our foodie poll question of the week. <clears throat> what's your go-to? What's your favorite, favorite vegetable topping for your pizzas? That's right. What is it? If it's up to me, I choose nothing. I like meat and cheese and sauce. Now, if I had to pick one, I go with jalapeno. I do like jalapenos, and I do like them on a pizza. But we wanted to hear from you. Is it peppers, bell or jalapeno? Is it black olives? Is it mushrooms? Is it onions? What's your favorite vegetable topping for pizza? Blaine says, put all of them on pizza and throw it in the garbage. No veggies for me. <laughs> Shout out to Blaine. That's a good, good comment. Throw it in the trash. Jamie says, yes. That said, hear me out. Mac and cheese pizza. Oh, that is a good, that's a good pizza. I get something when I go to Pizza Artista. I get the squealing pig, which is a macaroni and cheese pizza with bacon and like barbecue pulled pork and there's like Keen's uh cane syrup on it. It is phenomenal. 
and I eat it all by myself and don't let anyone have a bite because I'm that guy. Right now, 48% of you say, I'm sorry, it's changed now. 47% say mushrooms is your go-to veggie topping for your pizza. 37% say peppers. 11% say black olives. 5% say onions. The onions. Ton, very active on the Twitter this morning. <laughs> With all the gifts <laughs> on, the, on the comments. So keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. What's your favorite vegetable topping for your pizza? You can also say, I don't want any of them on my pizza. I just like the meat and the cheese. That is acceptable and fully supported by your host, Raymond Parts III. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on, Reynolds, to the show. Reynolds, good morning to you, brother. Hope you're safe out there this morning during the bad weather. What's on your mind, bud? Oh, I'm right smack dab in the middle of a, a downpour heading to Alexandria, but it's all good. Uh, I, I, I'm a fun guy calling in to support a fun girl. <laughs> Mushrooms as much as you can put on a pizza. My man, my man, I respect you. I respect you. I respect anyone who loves the mushrooms. My wife loves them. I hate them, man. I hate them. I've hated them since I was a kid. I I, I can even... As long as you don't put pineapple or tomatoes on a pizza, I am good. And yes, extra jalapenos. There it is. There it is. My man likes the mushrooms, but he loves the extra jalapenos. Just don't be bringing the pineapple nonsense to the party. That's what you're telling me, Reynolds. That's right. I have a question. Go ahead, bud. So, um... As far as Michael Thomas, they said, you know, he tweaked his groin. I mean, I've had my – I'm 57 years old, and I think I told you this before. I pulled my groin turning in bed, okay, and it hurts like the dickens. There's no getting around it. It's awkward. So I'm thinking, I mean, what's to this groin thing? Did he? I mean, because, you know, groin pull is notorious. For athletes who have been out for a while, and that's one of the first things that's going to get pulled and a nagging injury for a athlete coming back. Do you think it's uh, nothing to do, or uh, will he miss some time? Uh, let me get off and pay attention to the road and I'll listen uh, on the radio. Thank yeah, you for the phone call, Rental. Be safe out there, bud. The thing with Michael Thomas is this we just don't know. And, and that's not a cop-out to answer his question. I feel like it's much ado about nothing. But we've been burned before when it comes to Michael Thomas' injury status, haven't we? Oh, he was supposed to be playing last year. He didn't. He wasn't supposed to be out as long as he did the year before. He didn't come back. So, and his medical situation and the relationship with the team is so weird or has been weird where it's been secret and there seems to be a level of distrust. So we hear things, well, Michael Thomas, you know, tweaked a hamstring or Michael Thomas tweaked this or or groin. I don't know. That's not an answer that you want to hear. I'm I'm not trying to not continually keeping you frustrated. 
It's just we don't know. Specifically with him, we don't know. We just don't. Because there's always been misinformation. It's like Zion Williamson and the Pelicans. That's what it feels like with dealing with Michael Thomas and his injuries. Because you don't really know. We get told one thing, and then it doesn't come, you know, it doesn't happen. Right? When it comes to the injury status of Zion and Michael Thomas, that's how, how it feels. Like, okay, well, we're not really being told what's really going on. So we don't know. We'll see if he plays. We'll see what type of player he is. Once again, he essentially hasn't played in two years. We'll see. Yeah, that's what it has to be, unfortunately. We'll have to wait and see. We got to take a timeout. When we return, it's time to talk all things LSU with our guy Ron Higgins. That's next here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Half the week is in the books, which means it's time to talk Bayou Bengals with Tiger Details columnist, the mad dog himself, Ron Higgins. Here is Hold That Tiger on RP3 and Company. Brother, how was your cruise, my friend? It was really good. It was a nice cruise. You know, the captain didn't take any wrong turns. Uh <laughs> No hurricanes, which is unusual for August. Well, I was leery of booking a cruise in August because of hurricanes, but we were clear on that account. Uh, and so it was good. Yeah, it was nice and relaxing. Uh, I had a, 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 a 70-year-old comedian from South Louisiana on the ship who was hilarious. She, she was great. Uh, so, yeah, it, it all worked out good. It was a good, good cruise, a good getaway right before the start of football season. And now... Uh, football season is about, golly, about a, a week away. Well, actually, this starts this weekend. Uh, so football season number 43 starts for me next next week. Number 43? You don't yep. look like a day over covering 42 seasons, bud. Good job. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, all, those, uh, all those, you know, late nights of leaving press boxes at 1 o'clock in the morning. Now, the only the only advantage of leaving that late is is that you usually always find your car really easy because it's only one left. Yes, and there's no traffic for you to have to contend and with either. No traffic, you know, <laughs> and uh, uh, that's the advantage of it. So yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm uh, I've kind of put nil talk out of my mind. Get all the nil talk out of my mind, which is giving me a. Uh, a negative view of college football that I don't want to have. So I'm trying to get that out of my mind. Here we go. All right, bud. I like that. I like that mindset. All right. So you're ready to go. You'll be ready to be in the Superdome a week from Sunday, by the way, for the kickoff, which you and I will be there for. So let's start with the quarterback because I listened to Brian Kelly talk to the media yesterday, and I'm fairly for certain you're the one that asked him the question. Yeah. When he sits there and says that they still have yet to make a decision, this tells me, my gut tells me, that the difference between Jaden Daniels, the experienced guy with all the starts under his belt, and the redshirt freshman, Garrett Nussmeyer, is not that big. It is not that much of a difference between the two of them. Am I wrong for thinking that? 
No, because every time I see them in practice, they, they both do a lot of good things, just in a different way. Uh, so, yeah, I think they, they think they can win with either one of them. Uh, I'll be really surprised if he picks Garrett Nussmeyer, knowing uh, his track record, not Nussmeyer's track record, Bron Kelly's track record, uh, going with an experienced guy who's been there before a bunch. And, and then you're looking at a guy who's started 29 to 30 games at Arizona State. So, uh, and who, who really has looked really, you know, pretty good in scrimmages the past, you know, he's looked like a totally different quarterback uh, in preseason than he was in the spring. It's obvious he's improved his passing a lot. Uh, looks in more, more command, more confident. Uh, uh, they're going to need two quarterbacks because sooner or later, Jaden Daniels is going to get hit. Uh, it's just the SEC, you're going to get hit. Now, I know he was able to, he only missed one game because of injury at UCLA. Uh, and it's, he was able to, you know, stay away from harm's way in that league. But I really doubt this is going to happen in the SEC. So he's going to either have to, uh, I'm not going to say he's going to have to get down because he, he's always been pretty good about trying to avoid injury. But, uh, man, he just, he's, well, I mean, remember people, how they just went crazy and got on Miles Brendan when he was a freshman or his early years because he was so skinny. And they said, he doesn't look like a college quarterback. Well, I mean, neither does Jaden Daniels. He's only a college quarterback. He's very, 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 very thin. Uh, Is this a competition, though, Ron? Because I feel like Kelly and his staff were maybe caught off guard by how much progression Nussmeyer has made in the spring and through the summer, right? He's made this a competition. They probably weren't expecting that. Yeah, he's made it a competition. You know, they brought in Daniel Sagan, and he's the guy. Uh, and even over, maybe over miles. Uh, and uh, Nussmeyer, credit him, man. He, he's, uh, he's, you know, his biggest deficiency was was basically understanding that you just can't keep forcing balls into places they shouldn't go and, uh, you know, taking shots downfield when a short pass would have sufficed for a first down. And then he says he understands that now. He's figured that out. And from the looks of the scrimmages, he has, he's been very under control. And he's thrown some beautiful passes on the money. I mean, beautiful on the money passes uh, for touchdowns. So, yeah, I, I, mean, I think they can win with either one. You know, I mean, for, for what they want to do, I mean – you know they 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 want to play fast tempo if they can. They and then they, uh, you know they want to have a power run game, and that remains to be seen. I mean they're, uh, I think they've solidified their offensive line. Uh, as you said yesterday, we're looking for a couple more guys. As you know, the seventh eighth lineman, the sixth seventh eighth lineman is uh, to provide depth. Uh, running backs um, and John Emery suspended the first two games, especially for. I mean I. I Academics, I guess the guy had a the guy's a three point eight grade point average. So I mean, I don't know what the hell that is. Uh, they got they got th- three good running backs to get them through the first game. Uh, so I mean, yeah, I, I think I think this team's ready to go. I just y'all, the biggest concern is that you know, like last year, UCLA played Hawaii. You know, Florida State's playing Duquesne. Now, you know, for whatever what how bad Duquesne is or good Duquesne is. It's still uh, a, a game 
and a chance to get your kinks out and get your nerves out or whatever. And Florida State has that, and uh, and LSU doesn't. So we'll see if that's a that's a factor or not too. Because I mean, I mean, last year I mean LSU looked awful at UCLA. They they, they UCLA was more physical. LSU missed like 900 tackles. You know, uh, Ed Orgeron yelling at a fan before the game. Blah blah blah. All that, all that good stuff. So, I mean, we should have known that was the beginning of the end when Ed was going at it with a fan. When are they going to announce who the starting quarterback is? I think they'll. Uh, he said they'll do it by Monday or Tuesday, but I think, I think it'll probably leak out Friday or Saturday. I mean, they, they, he said they're going to start working on scout team stuff Friday with Florida State. That means you have to know your, who your first-team quarterback is, uh, you know, on your first unit. So I, I think it'll be before before the weekend. Uh, uh, um, you know, it's nice that he's actually going to tell us who the starting quarterback is because we've had, you know, some coaches who guard that like a nuclear secret, like it's going to be the difference between winning and losing if the other team doesn't <laughs> know who your quarterback is. Uh, I think that's – it's a, you know – a smart thing to do. Uh, uh, he's been upfront about that, and and uh, I think that we'll, we'll know by the weekend. So, uh, you know, I asked him to hold it off until I went on a cruise, and he did that, and I appreciate that. <laughs> it was nice of Brian Keller to do that. I said, hey, Brian, I've got like a four day cruise plan, like right late in the preseason. Can you not name the start? He said, sure, Ron, anything for you. So, anything, I, anything for you, Mad Dog. Yeah, you know, and you know, I said, hey. I said, and Raymond's out of town. This thing called morning show boot camp, which I don't know what the hell that is, but must be like, you know, learn how to make coffee at four in the morning and drink it rapidly in like five or six cups in like 20 minutes. I said, but Raymond's at a boot camp too. So why don't you give him time to get back in? <laughs> and, and, and so he did that. So oh, he, 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 he did, he did he, a solid force. Media friendly coach. There you go. There you go. Uh, let's go back to running back because, you know, the, the Emory situation, right, that's left over from last year when they said he had to be suspended for 15 games. So that's, the, I guess, the, the, the carryover there. I still don't quite understand that process, but he's going to be out yet again. Noah Kane is going to have an opportunity here to seize, you know, a chance to be the guy. Uh, how much confidence do you have? in their ability to be able to run the football, Ron, with the guys that they have? I think the running backs are fine. It's just, you know, you worry about the chemistry of the line, you know, and, and uh, I mean, Noah Kane ran well at, at, at Penn State. He also caught the ball well at Penn State. Uh, I mean, this is a team – I don't know how much they're going to throw downfield, honestly. I, I mean, it's one of those – it's uh, – a very controlled dink and dunk offense and everything. I mean, LSU's if LSU has 70 yard touchdowns this year or 80 yard touchdowns, if they have 10 of them, probably nine of them are going to be like slant passes over the middle for 15 yards and people going to the house. You, you, didn't, you didn't see a lot of let's loft it up and go downfield with this team uh, in, in preseason, except for Miles, Miles Brennan was quarterback. Uh, so I feel like you know, they're going to rely on, on the short passing game and, and the, let their playmakers turn short games into big plays, which, which they can do. And they got they got running backs who 
you know, that, that can move the chains. I don't know if, I don't know if they have anybody there with uh, breakaway speed, except for maybe Emery. Uh, but we, again, we haven't seen Noah Kane, uh, you know, bust out in the open, but he's been in, in scrimmages, he's been really reliable between the tackles. Uh, Armani Goodwin, I, I was a, like, he's a sophomore, of course, last year when he wasn't hurt, which was most of the time. He had great, really the best burst on the team off the off the snap. Uh, and then there's Josh Williams, who's the returning leading rusher, who's the walk-on, a former walk-on from Houston, who all he does is like get gained first downs when he gets in games. He's very underrated. So if their line holds up, I think their running game will be fine. Uh, uh, and I think their defense is, is going to be just outstanding. I just uh, I, I can't wait to see a defensive line in action. Uh, it's 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 from tackle from end to end it's pretty damn good and their linebackers are good. I still kind of concerned about uh, the cornerbacks because all of them are transfers basically. Uh, but you know, uh, Colby Richardson from McNeese, uh, he's he's had a really good camp uh, and nobody saw this coming. But he put on like twenty pounds and and has looked tremendous and. I was getting, uh, you know, kudos from the coaches almost every practice. So I, I think that the things to keep your eye on the first game really are the, the offensive line chemistry and the defensive uh, the backfield with a ton of new faces. We're talking with Ron Higgins, the Mad Dog, the award-winning columnist for Tiger Details. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, bud, what's the biggest – question mark I guess for you that won't really be answered until you see LSU take on Florida State inside the Caesar Superdome a week from Sunday is our offensive line any good it means our offensive line much better than last year because it was awful last year most of the year and a lot of that in the beginning was due to injuries uh preseason injuries uh Non-contact preseason injuries uh, caused by overtraining in the summer uh, by weight staff, weight coach staff that, that honestly overtrained them. Uh, I'm interested to see. I mean, the offensive line. I mean, how quickly they can get chemistry. Uh, if this offensive line gets chemistry pretty quick and holds up, uh, this team could have a really good season. What I mean by really good season, probably nine wins. Uh, I, I'm sticking with eight and four, uh, but uh, I really believe that I think the offensive line is the, the most interesting. I, I think the defensive backfield uh, uh, will come together, and I think maybe if there's any problems back there, that it, it can be covered up because the defensive line and linebackers are really, really good. The offensive line is kind of out there. Uh, on an island, and it has to perform well. It has to perform well right away. Uh, get, show some chemistry right away. Uh, you know, it, it can't afford to get its quarterbacks killed. Uh, so, yeah, I'd say, I'd say offensive line. But I'll say this, in this first game matchup, uh, LSU matches up really well. LSU's strength on its, on its team is its defensive line and also its receivers. And Florida State's probably biggest question mark or weakness is its secondary. So the first game, LSU's strength matches up really well against Florida State's weakness. Mad Dog, appreciate your time as always, brother. 
Enjoy your weekend. Tell Coach Kelly thank uh, thank you for holding off on making that decision while you and I were out of town. And uh, we'll talk to you next week, bud. Yeah, Raymond, I have this one question. What do you do exactly do at, at boot camp? Do you have like a sergeant yell at you, like, you know, kind of like Forrest Gump and, you know, just scream at you at boot camp? I mean, I just, if, 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 tell me, when we get together, you got to tell me about boot camp. I'll, and, I'll tell know. you all about it, bud. It's all about eating deep dish pizza and listening to panels talk about the business. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you got to have discipline to do that. You really do. <laughs> Thank you, brother. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, we got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up hour number two here at RP3 and Company. That's next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Update on that poll question of the day. We asked you, what's the go-to? What's your favorite vegetable pizza topping? I choose not to have anything, but if I had to pick one, I'd say peppers for jalapenos. Right now, 47% of you say mushrooms, 33% say peppers, 16% say black olives, and 4% say onions. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. It's our foodie poll question of the week. Hour number two, about to be in the rearview mirror. Hour number three, we'll kick it off with Ryan Antoine, Westgate High School football coach. That's next, right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Oh, welcome back to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Two hours are in the books. Final hour of today's show is upon us. 30 minutes from right now, Andrew Juge from the Saints Happy Hour podcast will join us for the Big Easy Blitz to talk all things black and gold as they wrap up preseason this week on Friday at home against the Los Angeles Chargers. We'll also have our poll question of the day that you can still go vote on, comment on on Facebook and Twitter as well. Every Wednesday is our foodie poll question of the week. That's always on Wednesdays. What's your go-to vegetable topping for your pizza? Are you a peppers guy? You like onions, mushrooms? We want to hear from you. Go vote and leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. But right now, it's time for us to talk some more high school football. We had Terry Martin on earlier this morning from Lauraville High School. Now it's time for us to have the man in charge of the Westgate Tigers. He's won a state championship. He has developed young men and turned them into coveted D1 prospects, sending several young men to play the college ranks, including Kayshawn Butte at LSU. We welcome back to RP3 and Company, Ryan Antoine. Coach, good morning to you, brother. How are you? Good morning, man. How's it going? It's going well. It's going well, Coach. Did you talk a little bit about, you know, Jamboree Week, 
and then the season kicks off next week. You know, how good does it feel to be this close to having the season upon it? Oh, it's going good. Uh, you know, we're finding a little injury bug right now. Like, you know, pretty much a lot of people are, you know, just kids just trying to get better. You know, we got a different team this year, you know, just trying to put the pieces together. You know, lost 23 seniors last year. Um, so it's been fun and been interesting and, you know, definitely got to do a whole lot of coaching, a lot of do a whole lot of, you know, mentoring and like a lot of psychological things, you know, now with, with this type of team, you know, just to try to get these guys ready to go uh, and, and get it going. But it's just, you know, it's been fun. You know, and it's been adventurous, and it's, you know, just a new team, new year, and we're just ready to get it started, tired of it, banging each other up for, for doggone sure. It's been a while since you've had that many guys graduate, right? I mean, you had that great class. They helped you win a state championship. Uh, but it's been a while since you've had that many guys leave in one year, right? Yeah, last one probably been with the, the year with um, Kayshawn, McCoven's son, and those guys. Uh, that, that was a real big class that, that did real well. Uh, you know, with so this past year was, you know, probably, you know, the biggest class in all 23 of those guys. Just They were just a special class. They all played, you know, every single one of them. So they were, you know, they were contributors and special teams. And, you know, we just had a lot of depth. You know, you only play 11. But like when I say all 23 of those guys played, you know what I mean? You know, we, those guys played in a lot of different situations, had a lot of different packages. You know, so, you know, replacing those guys is, is real tough to do. So, that's just trying to get these young guys just to understand what the mentality is, understanding this is how we play, this is the standard, and, you know, everything has to be earned. You know, these guys set a standard here, so now you got to live up to it. Tell me a little bit about, obviously, you lose so many players from last year's team. So has it just been, is it still as it stands right now, Coach, open competition? You still got positions that are battling it out, or do you kind of have an idea of what your two deep looks like? Oh, guy, guys are still battling it out as, as we speak right now. You know, so uh, you know we're just trying to figure it out. You know, I mean, so it's definitely open competition. You know, there's there's some of our you know our, our main guys who you know are definitely starters that played last year that we're definitely counting on that got to hold us down. But right now, you know, we, we're still trying to figure out. That's what the you know the scrimmage was for. That's what the jamborees for. And we just don't want to have to go into week one, week two, still trying to figure this thing out. We're trying to just get all our answers right now and definitely better have a chance to you know be able to win early on sure let's talk a little bit about uh your offense you guys always are able to put up points and move the ball the way that you guys play uh with your personnel kind of switching over is that changing how you scheme up on offense or no you're keeping it the same yeah offense would you know we could just make plays uh you know that's kind of how we do it we just try to find out give our, our kids opportunity you know that fits them the best now yeah we're changing some things up now you know we lost the do set kid we don't have him anymore you know, and he was able to go out there and make us look good sometimes, even when, you know, on a failed play. Uh, Danny Lewis is gone. Um, so other guys have to step up, so we just have to be a little bit more creative and find a way to get our, get our guys the ball. But we uh, Dedrick and the Tulas and Amaj Eugene are going to be the guys that we count on heavily early on, you know, just to make plays and put them all over the place and just find ways to just hold us down until those young guys step up and grab the rope. Who are some of the uh, returning impact players you have on that side of the football, Coach? Uh, Greg Pierre, uh, offensive line, he's the first team all district uh, kid for us. Derek uh, Jacob, he's offensive tackle. That was all district for us as well. Uh, and then only other two guys we have that starters are, are Dedrick Latulas and Amaj Eugene. But Braylon Raymond played a lot last year for us. He's a receiver. Also, Zed Landry, he's a big, long, 
uh, athletic receiver, tight end guy that we're going to play a lot and move around in different space. You know, we're going to kind of use him like we did Danny Lewis okay. uh, last year. But it just, you know, he'll be, he won't be as physical and as, you know, dominating as Danny was. But he'll be, you know, a little bit more athletic and stretch the field a whole lot more for us. So we'll have more of that. You know, we're, I think we're faster than we were last year uh, as a team. It just, we, you know, we, we just got, we just missing some of that leadership and that, that experience. So, you know, we're just, I think, you know, the speed will kind of hold us down a little bit, you know, right now. We just have to be creative enough as coaches and get our guys opportunity, you know, just go out there and make plays and not, not have to do all the thinking. They have to go out there and tell them they got to win it. We'll just try to put them in position to win it right now. What about the defensive side of the football? Who you got coming back that's going to be, you're going to be leaning on to kind of lead on and off the field, coach? Yeah, I mean, on the on the defensive line, uh, we definitely have Demarion Johnson. Uh, he's a you know highly touted recruit right now. He'd just be a junior. He's had you know has a lot of offers. He'll be a top you know four or five star player. You know by the time he's done. Right now he's a four star guy. Uh, has offers from Alabama, Texas, you know LSU. He's a real good defensive tackle. He's real dominant. Uh, he's coming back. Quante Colette. He's coming back as a starter, and also London White. Um, they all starting D line. So our D line is pretty strong. Linebackers are losing every single last one of them. That we lost last year, especially you knowing Zion Madison, who was a all you know all state player for us last year, um, and Henry Bingham, he was also a big time player for us. He was first, both of us got a first team all district, but in the secondary we bring it back. Tayshawn Fusilier, who was a first team all district guy for us, uh, Makai Ledet, um, he's he'll be a big player for us. He started last year. Jaden Colbert, he transferred from Southside. He's a you know Division one athlete. He has a few offers, and then. Uh, that's going to lead our defense is going to be Derek Williams, uh, you know, number two safety in the country. You know, so we're going to lean on those guys a lot in the secondary and move those guys around and get those guys a chance to make plays to just step out our, our inexperienced at linebacker. Is Derek your kind of unquestioned leader of the team overall because of his experience and what he brings to the table? Uh, on the field, yes. Uh, vocally, is Dedrick Latulis. Uh, Dedrick has okay. been voted team captain, and uh, he's the guy that, you know, kind of gets us going and you know you know he's more vocal Derek doesn't say much Derek just plays a certain way you know and then I, like I told Derek you see just set us in the here for these younger guys because we could close our eyes and, and pick any song we want and Derek Williams will go be playing the same style same way every single time so that's the standard that we try to teach our young kids that you know no matter when it is no matter where you're at you know this is the standard and continue to maintain that we're talking with Westgate High football coach Ryan Antoine he joins us here on RP3 and company Coach, I've asked you this before, and I'll ask it again, though. When you have a program like you do where you produce guys for the next level and college coaches and college programs come to you and your guys are being recruited 24-7, 365 now, that's what it's been like for the last, what, five years, six years? Yeah, definitely. How do you deal with that and and how do you get your guys to deal with that because it can be immensely overwhelming for the young people to deal with the pressures of recruiting how do you and your staff help them with that oh it definitely get overwhelming at times and i think you know it's a tribute to our staff you know they kind of let me handle a lot of that part of it and those those guys just go out there and coach i mean they do the skill development part you know we got guys that take care of stuff in academic level academic advisor we just have a true team and then it just, when it comes down to the end, you know, we're just able to kind of do it. But everybody understands their role, and nobody goes out there and tries to say, you know, it's, I did this, I did that. And it's true, it's a true team effort. But as far as the kids, you know, we just tell them, you know, this is, if you want to have an opportunity to get out, we feel like if a kid plays and gives us everything that they, he has, 
within our sheet if they play. You know, it's our opportunity, it's our job, you know, to give those kids that opportunity to be able to play at the next level if that's something that they dream of, you know. Um, we feel like if we don't, we're using and exploiting that kid. So we don't want to never get that kid that opportunity, you know. So I think we feel there's a school for anybody, anywhere. We just have to go out there and find it, and that kid has to be willing to go and do it. So we just want to give them something to compare New Iberia to. So I think, you know, once we've done that and guys go on to the next level and start showing them that there is opportunities and talk about it and those guys are able to go up there in the summer and go spend time with those guys and see it when they come back, it's just life-changing because they realize, okay, I can actually do this. I played with this guy. This guy, you know, is taking me in and showing me how, how to do it and showing me the ropes. So then after that, just a revolving door, and we're just creating that legacy here. Let's talk about this upcoming season. You know, with losing so many players to graduation, like you did 23 guys, you could have, you know, maybe softened up that non-district schedule a little bit, Coach. But yet here I am, and I'm looking at it, and you got the Crosstown rivalry to begin the season against Nish, and then you're playing Lake Charles College Prep, you're playing Evangel, and you're playing St. Martinville. Uh, you, you, you decided not to take it easy there in the non-district schedule, brother. Uh, yeah, I, I wish wish we could. You know, I mean, it's sometimes it's not it's not it's not that uh, easy. You know, calling people to asking for games. To be honest with you, uh, you know, I mean, a couple of coaches that you know, I talk with Trev and I. We talk all the time, and, and it's you know, we we get hung up on a lot of times. You know, to be honest with you, uh, Raymond. You know, when we when we ask for games and try to get it, so. It is what it is, but you know we we always tell our guys we want to be playoff ready and we don't want to run from competition. We want to make sure we play the best of the best as much as we can, you know. And I feel like when you do that, you know, you get yourself ready for you know the postseason, you know. And we expect to be there and we plan on being there. And so we want to be battle tested and want to see you know everybody and got to measure our team up against whoever else in the state. You know, there's some good quality ball in the state all around it. So we want to make sure that you know we travel all parts of it, hit all parts of it, and be ready for it. Your district got reshuffled a little bit during reclassification. Karen Crow leaves the district. They get bumped back up to 5A, and they get replaced by a team you know very well and a coach you know very well. Lafayette Christian is now part of 4-4A. Uh, what do you make of a district that now includes yourself, STM, Turlings, North Vermillion, Northside, and now LCA? Oh, I mean, we, we, like we always say, we feel we have the hardest district in the state, you know, and I, I think the coaching in that district is what separates us a lot of times. I mean, you look at the last three, four years of that district, you know, you pretty much had a state championship, state champion, yeah, state champion come out that district every year, you know, so, uh, you know, and I think, I think that attributes to, you know, what we put into this district, what we put into this area, you know, there's some quality talent around there, but there's some, you know, I think there's some top of the line coaching in this area as well. You know, and where there's adjustments that you got to make, and guys are able to bounce ideas off of one another and and try to get better as much as we can. I mean, you know, playing against you know uh, Coach Hightower, Coach Trev, Dane, you know, and, and you're gonna be ready, I promise you, because you're gonna get everything they got in there. It's gonna always be a game, and you're gonna have to make adjustments. And you know, any false move on either our part, you know, can cost us. So it's always a game, it's always a battle, but we're definitely always ready for whatever happens once we get to that posting because of our district prepares us for it. Wrap it up with this, Coach. What's uh, what's the expectation you have for this upcoming season? Fifteen and no state champion. I mean, I'm not. We're not deviating from that. I mean, we want to leave everything better, and we found it. You know, last year we went thirteen and two and won it. So this year our goal is to go fifteen and zero and win it again. So I mean, we know we're getting hunted, but the biggest person we have to hunt is ourselves. So we, we that's what we're focusing on. That's what we're practicing, and that's our mentality. So that's how we roll it. 
I love that. And the kids love that too, don't they? Because you could easily be like, oh, well, you know, we lost all these kids. But you're challenging the young men and telling them, hey, you know what? Yeah, we lost 23 guys last year, but it doesn't matter. We have a standard here, and we expect you guys to keep it up. Yeah, 100%. We stand you know, with us, and it starts, you know, starts with myself as head coach and filters to my, my coaching staff, and it's going to filter to the kids, and that's how we, you know, and, we, and we're going to say we, we ain't most people. We're going we to stand on that. So that's how we stand with it, and, you know, we're going to do our best to try to live up to it. Coach, I always appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Best of luck with the Jamboree. Hopefully you guys get out of there clean, no injuries, nothing like that, and hope you guys have a successful season, and we'll talk to you soon, brother. Thank you, Raymond. Appreciate it. That's Westgate High football coach Ryan Antoine joining us here on RP3 and company. Look, that's what it is. You get to a certain point, and it's like, hey, you got to step it up. Yeah, just because we lost 20-plus players doesn't mean anything. He's built that program into a perennial powerhouse. You've got to be able to not rebuild, reboot on the fly. Hey, football season is here, and the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to crown you. That's right, you listening right now, the tailgating king with the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. You can score $500 to Chops Specialty Meats, a new grill with accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs. And a $500 Visa gift card. And tickets to LSU and Raging Cajun football. And so much more. Enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. But you can't win it unless you become a member of our Rewards Club. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company, though, coming up right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Want to join in the discussion with RP3? Then just give us a call on the hotline. You know the number. 2-4-9-5-6-7-8. I can't hear you. You're trailing off. And did I catch a niner in there? Were you calling from a walkie-talkie? No need to be embarrassed. Just call us at 337-706-0111. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. College football is back. It's time to enjoy the tradition, the fun, and the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. To celebrate the best time of the year, new customers can bet just $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. You can also place the same game parlay for a shot at even a bigger payout. Just combine multiple bets into one, like which team will get the win and which team will score first and more. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you'd like. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code 1037GAME. That's 1037GAME. Bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code 1037GAME, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years of age to play. Physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. One per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit and wager. 
and the $200 issued as eight $25 free bets. Restrictions do apply. See terms at DraftKings.com slash sportsbook. Licensee partner is Golden Nugget Lake Charles. And if you got a gambling problem, call one eight seven 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 zero. stop Let's check in on the poll question of the day, shall we? It's the foodie poll question of the week where we ask you, we go, hey, what about pizza toppings? What about the vegetables? Are you down for the veggies? Is the veggies a thing that you enjoy on your pizza pie? That's what we're wanting to know. Right now, leading the vote, 44% of you say your favorite vegetable topping for your pizza is mushrooms. That makes Hannah Five Names very happy. 32% say peppers. We're talking bell. We're talking jalapeno. 16% of you say black olives. And 8% say onions. Some of you like it all. You want it all. You like the supreme. Throw it all on there. Give me all the vegetables. Doug has chimed in. I'll have shrooms and everything but my cereal. This man wants the shrooms and everything. <laughs> oh, man. Doug loves the mushrooms, man. Loves those mushrooms. Good for Doug. Ooh, Steven has come in with roasted garlic as an option. There we go. Keep those comments coming on our poll question of the day. Keep those votes coming as well. It is a foodie poll question of the week. It's been a minute since we heard from this caller. He was in hiding for a little while, but now that his pinstripers have, you know, won back-to-back games in the Subway Series, he's feeling good. He's feeling better about himself. Paul is on the line. Paul, good morning to you, brother. Hope you're being safe out there this morning in the bad weather, my friend. Good morning, stupendous, glorious, awesome morning. Hey, you heard that, Martin? He said the pinstripe. Nobody know the Cubs as that. They know the Yankees as that. Well... (laughs) I like to add that in there, you know. What I mean, because that guy, in other words, you know, they we can't beat nobody good. We ain't beat nobody good since what June, July. But I mean, we just swept the little Mets. I mean, come on. I mean, I keep telling everybody, it's injuries that took us down in this terrible month, and it's uphill from here. And everybody knows the best time to peak is going into the playoffs, and everybody's healthy, and you hot. Man, we're going to win the World Series. We're not going to see the, Ast- the little Astros because somebody's going to knock them out before we get to them. Oh, you, so, hope, I mean, you hope that happens because I the mean, Astros are in your head for the postseason. Yes, I believe that's going to happen. The Mariners are somebody going to knock them out. And, you I know, see. we just going to skip the loo straight to the World Series skip and keep crown. I mean, <laughs> whoo, this is awesome. Oh. Into that, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to gloat, you know. Oh, of course, but I want, of course. I want to um, answer your pizza question. Go ahead, brother. What you got? Okay, now obviously, me and Foot need to help you and Hannah about eating food because obviously, y'all don't have a good taste. See, well, I'm not a pizza eater, but if I do eat pizza, it has to be a supreme. It has to have the sauce. Don't put no pineapples and shrimps and all of that on it. It has to put them jalapenos on it and mushrooms and the mozzarella. I need the works on it. You know, you can't reinvent a great pizza. 
but you can reinvent a hot dog. We got the guy that did the straw dog, the beer dog, whatever you want to That's call it. That's your boy. It. That's your man. That's your fellow That's Yankee fan that did that, brother. And I'm saluting him. I'm going to try it. I'm going. To, you, he reinvented the wheel. <laughs> he reinvented. You see, that, that's the great, the great creativity from a Yankee fan. Oh, you there it is. Friend? There it is. I, I, what, what, what's hey? What, what about the plaid Yankee hat, though, Bud? What, what about that look? I don't. I don't. I don't care for that look. You guys have one of the best looking yeah. hats of all time, yeah, and this man's rocking the plaid look. Well, you know, it's different. So you're not used to seeing the Yankees that way. So I've, I've never caught on to it yet. I'm going to give it some time to see, but I, I don't want them to change nothing. There you, you know, go, we bro. are history. We wrote the book. We wrote history. So I, I don't think you should tamper with that. There it is. You know, there it is. That's you what know, I like to hear. But if you got ugly jerseys like the ugly socks and the Braves, you got to redo that all over. Blow it up. Oh, it don't up. you be coming you know, at my Braves. With the white man, the white, the white's clean. Yeah, Our white jerseys are clean. You're a Yankee, you my fellow Yankee. <laughs> and, and, Get out of here! You're a mess. Last week, let me let me before I go. I heard somebody close to foot told me this. He showed me a picture of him and his lovely wife when they was young. He said this one's foot was a Yankee fan. <laughs> you just, you just, you just making trouble, Paul. I appreciate the phone call, brother. That's Enjoy your day. Three, go Yankees. <laughs> I was waiting. I knew when they took game one, I was like, oh, we're going we to hear from Paul. But then when, he, when they took back-to-back against the Mets, I was like, Paul's going to call. I just know it. I just know it. As he should. The Yankees are bouncing back. They need to. They've been playing for about a month, ever since the All-Star break. Got to turn it around. I still don't trust his manager, though. If it's a playoff series, I do not trust Aaron Boone to make the right calls. That's just me. And if the Yankees flame out again in the playoffs, Aaron Boone is not going to be the skipper next year. I can guarantee you that. We got to take a timeout. When we come back here, it'll be time for the Big Easy Blitz with our guy Andrew Juge from the Saints Happy Hour podcast. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Houdan is ready for Saints talk. The give to Camara. Breaks through, spins at the two, into the Touchdown! Time to talk Saints with the Big Easy Blitz here on RP3 and Company. Back from his vacation, I would assume in the Hamptons, is the man about town, a man that is coast to coast, north and south, from the Saints Happy Hour podcast, the award-winning Saints Happy Hour podcast, Andrew Juge joins us here for the Big Easy Blitz. Andrew, good morning. How how was your vacation? My vacation was great. It wasn't at the Hamptons, unfortunately. I've actually never been there in my life, for record. Uh, <laughs> but but it but it was amazing all the same. And uh, but man, I got to tell you, it's good to be back. Good to be back with you in particular. All right, bud. I want to start off talking Trevor Penning because a lot was made of him getting in fights at practice, and then a lot was made about him struggling with pass protection in the first preseason game. But what I watched against Green Bay, I saw a guy that really likes to maul it up on the offensive line. He looked a lot better from game one to game two. What do you make of him? 
Yeah, listen, he it's it's like he played it in a goat pasture, right, a year ago. And so uh, we knew it was going to take time. I think he's right on schedule. And uh, I agree with you. I think there's been significant growth from game one to game two, which is the kind of progress you want to see from a rookie, a guy that can make adjustments and kind of adapt to his mistakes, learn from them. And we're seeing that. And uh, look, the, the potential is undeniable. I think when you look at his nastiness, his physicality in the run game, He's already there. I think if you were just talking about that segment of his game, he's ready to start at left tackle in the NFL today. Uh, obviously, pass protection is where he still has some work to do to kind of develop his game and uh, just clean up a little bit of the technique to kind of get him fully up to speed. Uh, but he's getting closer. And I'll tell you, look, James Hurst, obviously, you never want a starter to get injured. And, and uh, but, but timing-wise, I felt like that was actually pretty good. Uh, look, you're not, you're not going to bench your starting left tackle and not give him reps. Uh, but the Saints' hand was kind of forced here to let Trevor Penning play a little bit more, play with the starters. And, uh, you know, I think it's maybe a little bit of a blessing in disguise, honestly. So he, he he's making some big leaps. And uh, what I've been told is he's not out of the mix yet in terms of maybe starting at left tackle. So we'll see how these next couple weeks progress leading up to week one. But uh, I think he's firmly in the mix. What have you seen based on the preseason games and what you've been able to hear and read and see from training camp about the rest of the offensive line now under the direction of Doug Marone? Yeah, everything looks positive right now, Raymond. I have to say, and this felt like a big weakness, particularly in the interior. Uh, Andrews Pete coming back from a big injury, and uh, obviously he's been inconsistent in his play before the injury. And so uh, the big question marks just surrounding how he was going to be able to bounce back from that. And obviously on the other side, it guards Cesar Ruiz as a guy that's uh, been marred in inconsistent play as well uh, and uh, kind of been the weak link on the offensive line. Uh, you know, what's interesting is over the last several years, uh, I feel like every when we would do this, we would have these talks on your show. I feel like all, we would talk about the offensive line and we would say that it was one of the real strengths of the team with Teron Armstead and Ramchek. And, you know, it, it due to injuries and due to just kind of maybe a little bit of poor luck, uh, I feel like it's never really come together the last three years. In a lot of ways, uh, the Saints offensive line, they've held it together. They haven't been a disaster by any means, but injuries and inconsistent play I think have led to that unit being a little bit of a disappointment over the last few years and uh, I think it's kind of the opposite this year in the sense that maybe we were expecting a little bit less from that unit this year we were actually kind of maybe expecting a little bit of a downturn a little bit more question marks going into the season and so far those have been answered the group is healthy obviously James Hurst is trying to come back from an ankle injury but besides that they're in pretty good shape from a physical standpoint. Uh, obviously, you hope that Ramchek's knee can hold up a as the season's about to start. But overall, uh, the play of Pete and Ruiz has kind of been the unsung positive of camp. Uh, those guys have both been pretty solid. And, and boy, I tell you, if, if they can get back to Pete having the level that he's at at his peak, and if they can get more consistent play out of Ruiz, that's going to be a big deal for this team. The only concern I have about starting the rook at left tackle because I, I think he has the potential to be a franchise left tackle I think they may have found their next Toron Armstead my only concern is he's going to be next to a guy who traditionally struggles in pass protection Andres Pete is a tremendous run blocker always has been but that cat has Olays all the time 
when it comes to being rushed. He struggles with pass rush. Any concerns having the Rook line up next to a guy who struggles with pass protection his entire career? Yeah, it's interesting. They do they do really both have a similar write-up, don't they? Um, but, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. They're maulers in the run game, very physical. I think it, going behind left guard or left tackle, running to the left side, if you've got those two guys starting over there, feels pretty good. Uh, so, uh, But they do have a similar write-up in the sense that they both sometimes struggle with technique and their footwork and pass protection. And so, yeah, I'm with you. That That is a concern. Uh, look, I, I think ultimately all the tools are there for Penning to be an elite left tackle, as you said. Uh, physically, it's all there, and it's all about putting it together. And the way I was told, it's it's one of those things where, you know, with guys like this, look, they can, they can put it together in two days. They, they can watch tape. They can learn from their mistakes. They can figure it out in two days, or it can take a whole career, and they never figure it out. So, uh, you know, that that's kind of the remaining question is, can he, can he get up to speed mentally and, and put it all together in terms of technique uh, to get to a place where – because that's what it's going to have to be, Raymond. You're absolutely right. He's going to have to make up for maybe some deficiencies at left guard in terms of pass protection. And so, if anything, I think he, he needs to elevate his game to a level where he's compensating for that uh, because I think at this stage of his career, we kind of know what Andrew Speed is. We're talking with Andrew Juge of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Let's talk running back. They've gone through the motions with so many different veteran guys. Hasn't worked out. You have Kamara. You have Mark Ingram, an aging Mark Ingram. And it seems like to me Tony Jones Jr. is the guy at their number three running back. A lot of Saints fans aren't happy about that. They still think they need to go get a running back. What do you say? Well, I don't think it's a problem as long as Alvin Kamara doesn't get hurt or suspended. And it doesn't look like he's going to get suspended this year, although we'll kind of keep an eye on that case. But, uh, you know, as long as he's healthy, I don't really view running back as a problem. But if Alvin Kamara starts missing games, then it's a really big problem. And you have to have a number three that can hold it down because, as you said, Mark Ingram, I feel good about him maybe getting five to 12 touches a game. But anything more than that, you worry about durability. So, um, look, Tony Jones Jr. has had a good camp, and uh, I, I think you would feel okay about it. He had a great training camp and in, in preseason last year, too, and you worry that maybe it's a little bit of fool's gold because uh, obviously that didn't translate into the regular season. Uh, I, I think the Saints would be okay with Tony Jones Jr. just based on the way he's been playing recently. He, he's looked really solid. Uh, but I think we're fooling ourselves if we don't assume that the Saints are looking around the league uh, at these final cuts. And I think that that's the thing about – who Tony Jones Jr. is competing with. He's not really competing with guys on the roster. Well, I mean, he is to some degree, but he's also competing against all the running backs that get cut at final cuts. And then it's an evaluation of, do we think we can bring this guy in and does he fit our system and can he maybe help us a little bit more than our number three guy? So uh, I, I absolutely think the Saints will look at the waiver wire and make that evaluation. Uh, but I think Tony Jones Jr. is firmly in the mix to be the number three. Michael Thomas seems a little nicked up, ankle, groin issues. Are you worried? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I think anytime a guy misses two years, and, and by the way, this was an injury that was supposed to take six to eight weeks, uh, and then yeah. he needed a few more weeks to rehab it, and then he was going to have surgery, but he was going to be back 100% the following season. That never happened. 
Uh, then, then there was another setback. So, look, I, I think when you look at Michael Thomas, it's only natural that you would be concerned. And uh, I, I think it's important also to keep in, keep light of the fact that this is just a minor hamstring injury, and it's not a big deal as long as he's playing week one. As long as he's there and he's good to go and he's playing in the first game and he's working through that and he's performing well, then I don't think it's worth getting worked up about something like this. But it is concerning in the sense that he really hasn't played football for the better part of two years, and now he's developed a little bit of this, I don't want to say reputation, but uh, but uh, at least a short-term history of lingering issues and injuries kind of not going away. And so we know hamstrings can be notorious for lingering and being problematic. And so, you know, this is a big question mark is that does he trust the medical staff? Because it's there, there's a baggage there. And, you know, when we talk about managing injuries, that's, I think Michael Thomas and the saints are at a good place right now, but you worry about it going right back to a place of disharmony. If, an injury that's maybe being mismanaged fuels that. So, yeah, it's it's concerning. Uh, you know, hopefully he can quickly put this behind him and get back on the field. And I think that's the expectation at this point. Uh, so certainly, I don't think it's any any time to panic. But uh, look, I think anytime a guy like that has a history of it, and and obviously, look, kinetic chain, everything's related. Sometimes you worry that when you're working your way back from an injury and you get a different injury, are you compensating in some way? Uh, is there an imbalance there physically? So I know the Saints, Saints staff will take a very close look at that. I know they've made some significant investments this offseason, bringing in Matt Rea, uh, who's known to kind of reduce soft tissue injuries. He's a long history of doing that at Alabama very successfully. Uh, so he's going to get put to the test here uh, with some of these injuries to see if he can bring these guys back. Let's go to the defensive side of the football. What are your still your big question marks on what I feel is going to be the strength of this team? Do you have any? Yeah, I mean, linebacker is, is a little concerning. Uh, when you look at Pete Werner, um, he, he's obviously – he hasn't practiced for most of camp and most of preseason. Um, and so he's supposed to be one of your starters. You, you don't bring Quan Alexander back because uh, you feel like Pete Werner's got the starting spot on lockdown, but then he hasn't really been available all of camp. And so the Saints have kind of gone through this effort to bring – they tried to bring Quan Alexander back. That didn't work out. Uh, then they bring they bring in Kiko Alonso. He abruptly retires, and so now Chase Hansen's kind of that veteran, kind of battling for a spot. I uh, haven't seen much greatness out of Zach Vaughn. He continues to struggle at that position. So you know, it's been interesting. Obviously, Caden Ellis is a guy that's been in the mix for a long time. Uh, but uh, Nephi Sewell, the undrafted rookie, is a guy who's got more playing time, gotten an opportunity uh, to play with the starters more recently. So. Your depth at linebacker, there's a lot of question marks there. What about Bostic? Do you think he has a chance to make the team? I do, absolutely. Yeah, he played well in the last preseason game. And so, look, he was a late addition, uh, but he kind of stuck He stuck out there. And he, he, he was noticeable in that game. And so, look, I, I think based on what's happening at linebacker, that's a fluid situation. And when you talk about final cuts, guys becoming available, I think linebacker is another spot. Uh, where the Saints may look around the league, but I do think Bostic is firmly in the mix. Uh, but ultimately, that's about it. You know, honestly, I think the secondary is, is tremendous. I, I feel really good about that. Uh, I still feel good about the defensive line, although I will say in two preseason games, they've been a little disappointing. Uh, Peyton Turner in particular, you'd like to see more out of him, especially going up against third and fourth string players. Uh, he should be winning those matchups every time. So, uh 
I, I would say that up front, the play needs to get better. And I expect Dennis Allen to call those guys out. And they have great coaching on that side, Brian Nielsen. And I'm sure they'll be ready to go and, and up to speed by week one. Uh, but those are kind of maybe the small areas of concern. But depth at linebacker is probably the biggest. What do you want to see from the team Friday night inside the Caesar Superdome for their final preseason game? Yeah, honestly, I don't. I don't expect a lot of starters to play again, and if they do, it's going to be really limited. I think the Saints have been really smart about managing their guys. This is a veteran roster in a lot of ways. I think there's some question marks in terms of depth and who makes the team, maybe at the bottom end of this roster. But uh, a lot of the starting spots, there, there's not starting spots really up for grabs. Uh, there's not a lot of. There, there may be some roles that are available in terms of spot play and situational play for some guys. But for the most part, the Saints know who their horses are. And uh, so they've managed those guys. And I, I think they've done a good job with that. So, you know, this last game, I think, in, in a lot of ways is about um, maybe bringing up some of the guys that uh, are in that 46 to 55 range, right, for roster spots. And who, who kind of elevates and who maybe disappoints to where those last roster spots get claimed. But there are a couple things. Look, I, I'd love to see Peyton Turner make a couple plays. I, I think he needs that. Uh, we'll see if Jameis Winston plays in this game. I don't think he has to, uh, but if he gets a series in there, I, I think that would be good just for uh, him to maybe get up to speed just based on the time that he's missed. Um, but that's really all I need to see. Uh, the biggest thing, of course, is is limiting the injuries. I think you want to go in a week one against the Falcons healthy uh, with as close to a full team as possible. And so health is the biggest thing. Brother, appreciate your time as always. Enjoy watching the preseason game on Friday. Enjoy your weekend, and then we'll talk to you next Wednesday, bud, as we gear up for the uh, – keep gearing up for the season opener. Hey, man, I'm, I'm glad football's back. I'm glad to be back on the show and looking forward to keeping this rolling. All right, brother. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Raymond. That's Andrew Juge from the Saints Happy Hour podcast. He'll join us every Wednesday for the Big Easy Blitz during the season. we got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up today's show. We'll finalize the foodie poll question of the week, and that's all coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, the Arneville Volunteer Fire Department is hosting a black pot cook-off on Saturday, September the 10th. The cooking begins at 8 a.m., and the eating will start at noon at the Flower Auditorium in Arneville. There's going to be also plenty of live music, including Gerald Grunig and Gentile Zydeco, Dustin Sonier, and Sweet Cecilia. For more information about the Black Pot Cook-Off, brought to you by the Arneville Volunteer Fire Department, visit arnevillefire.org. That's arnevillefire.org. I want to take a moment to thank our guests for making this hump day edition of RP3 and Company tremendous. Terry Martin, Lorville High football coach. Ron Higgins from Tiger Details. Ryan Antoine, Westgate High football coach. And Andrew Juge from the Saints Happy Hour podcast. Final results of the poll question of the day is this. We asked you, it's our foodie poll question of the week, what's your favorite vegetable topping for your pizza pie? 44% of you came in with mushrooms. 31% say peppers. 15% say black olives, and 10% of you say onions. Thank you to all of you who voted on the poll question of the day. 
who left their comments on Facebook and Twitter as well. Also, shout out to Reynolds and Paul for calling into the show this morning. Appreciate those phone calls. For the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah, five names. I'm Raymond Parsh, the third, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foote and Footnotes is up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros.